This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. A couple of days ago, I brought to you the news of Francis delivering what can only be called an unhinged rant in the form of an interview he gave just before the beginning of World Youth Day that was made public during that Catholic Woodstock event. And in the release of that interview was time to coincide with Francis telling one, everyone in his audience, that everyone was welcome in the church. His weird interview made it clear that not quite everyone is welcome in the church, including those traditionalists who apparently help foster corruption in the church. If you can understand that logic, it's part of his bizarre worldview that literally makes no sense. And while his rants against traditionalists are really nothing new, I mean, it's a pretty normal thing for him, it this plus remarks he made at that Woodstock event, when coupled with action Lady took to disrupt a sacrilegious mass offered to celebrate the James Martin sin, have made some observers think a new round of crackdowns against the traditional faith are coming. Crackdowns in the form of more restrictions against the traditional mass, maybe, or formal condemnations of lay organizations and voices, or against traditional religious, who seem to be his favorite target. Those suggestions aren't coming only from the laity, either. Archbishop Vigano gave an interview in response to Francis's recent screed against traditional Catholics. When compared to a speech Francis gave to secular rulers while he was in Portugal, we get something very clear out of this. There are two faiths at play in the church now. The traditional Catholic faith, a true one, which is under attack by ecclesial authorities, including the man the world sees as Pope, and the other held by that same man, by all appearances, which omits the name of our blessed Lord from formal addresses to secular authority figures, except as an example of one wise figure in history, among others. Essentially, marginalizing Jesus himself. Vigano gave his interview on Saturday to the Italian commentator Aldo Maria Valli. The subject of the interview was pretty straightforward. Should we expect further suppressions of the traditional mass and other actions against traditional Catholics? The question he is asked is simple. What is the final goal? The question follows a rather long response from Vigano about the attempt to destroy the papal monarchy and replace it with a parliament, as we're potentially seeing at the Synod on Synodality. This may in fact enable all manner of sin to be welcomed in the church, which we also got a hint at at World Youth Day, in the form of some, let's call them very questionable audiences Francis gave. But here is what Vigano had to say about the final goal. Quote, we understood that Bergoglio's main purpose is to sow division and destroy. His modus operandi is always the same. First of all, it artificially provokes a, quote, debate on issues that cannot be subject to controversy in the church, having already been defined by the magisterium. On the one hand, the ultra-progressives, and on the other, the conservatives. Traditional Catholics, as I've explained earlier, haven't been following these new church delusions for a long time, and they are perfectly fine with it. Then he arranges for what he wants to obtain, a doctrinal, moral, disciplinary, liturgical modification, to be proposed by an ostensibly neutral mediator who tries to find a compromise while in reality pandering to the progressive side. At this point, Bergoglio, from above, and as if he were only then discovering that there is a question to be clarified on which an authoritative pronouncement is needed, imposes a change that seems less serious than what the ultra-progressives had asked for, but which remains inadmissible for a Catholic, at that point forced to disobey. And his disobedience instantly becomes heresy or schism, 
simply by recalling the errors of the old Catholics at Vatican I. But here lies the most treacherous deception. The doctrinal deviations of the old Catholics are simplistically dismissed by Bergoglio as a claim to be repositories of the true faith, something that every heresiarch has always tried to defend, while the old Catholics have shown that what they share with the Bergoglian church has many more heresies than it has truths in common with the traditionalists, starting with the female priesthood. And it is surprising that Bergoglio does not remember that the doctrinal demands of the old Catholics began well before the First Vatican Council for questions of papal appointments of bishops in the Netherlands, but soon showed their assonance with the modernists. We have therefore understood that the identification of an enemy, in this case, the rigid, i.e., the Catholics faithful to the immutable magisterium, is the corollary of the de deification of the revolution and the church. The synod is the work of the Holy Spirit, and Bergoglio is a victim of providence, according to Francis's view. So either we accept apostasy as willed by God, which is absurd, as well as blasphemous, or we end up ipso facto in the circle of Bergoglio's enemies, thereby deserving the condemnation reserved for heretics and schismatics. A strange way of understanding the parisia and inclusiveness of the Church of Mercy. End quote. So we need to talk about something here uh, by way of sort of definition. In the aftermath of the First Vatican Council in the late 19th century, the council where papal infallibility, something the church has always held to, but never really defined, was defined, formally defined. And the definition, frankly, isn't the easiest to interpret for a lot of people. This has been roundly criticized by groups after the council. Um, and they never really got clarification on it. And uh, some of the ambiguity in that definition has led to uh, papalatry, to put it mildly, this idea that the... that Francis is essentially, or any pope really, is God-made manifest. It's how Vatican II was able to be pushed so hard on people. It's errors that, either errors in its implementation, if you prefer, or errors in the documents. It's not a debate I'm not interested in going to here. But that was enabled by some of the ambiguity in the text, something that could have been taken care of by the popes thereafter, but for whatever reason they chose not to. And there were groups at that time who broke away from Rome after Vatican I over the issue of papal infallibility, one of which are called the Old Catholics. And um, these are not to be con uh, confused with some other groups that had questions about papal infallibility either. The Old Catholics are ex so extraordinarily James Martin in how they do things that they've long since been ordaining women. They have been embracing all sorts of the secular values of the world. But they do it with fairly reverent-looking liturgy, but they're strident heretics. And that is who Francis is, com is comparing traditional Catholics to when he compare invokes the old Catholics, which is something he's been doing lately. He's essentially calling us schismatics and heretics, which is remarkable because the group he's invoking has a lot more in common with him and his, his allies than they do with the rest of us. But as Vigano describes it, the, it's an insidious plan, if what he says is true. And I have no reason to doubt him. His adversaries, meaning those who cling to the same faith as our ancestors, which includes laity, priests, good bishops who either try to oppose him publicly or who attempt to be more subtle by not enacting his demonic mandates in their dioceses, are compared to heretical organizations 
who, as Vigano says, historically have, frankly, a lot more in common with Francis and his synodal church than do the traditional Catholics, who want the same faith as our ancestors. He, meaning Vigano, is then asked about something Francis said that no one has really noted yet. The obsession with so-called rigid priests and how Rome should address the problem of an increasing number of rigid priests existing in the church and in seminaries. Francis was asked this by his interviewer, and, this could, and they identify this as a problem. It's a sign of hope for us, but it's a problem for them. Identifying priests who are rigid and then how to accompany them into Vatican II, which is itself a tacit admission that Vatican II represented a break from the past into something new. An admission that Rome was adamant to deny and reject just a few years ago, calling anyone who said such things schismatic. Now those same authorities admit that there was a break from the past, and they wish to accompany everyone out of the old church and into something new. They said as much in Traditionus Custodis, by the way. They've said as much more recently. Hence why they can constantly talk about the synodal church and building a synodal church, whatever that is. But Vigano really does make clear what this is about. Quote, the solution proposed by Bergoglio goes in the direction of a secularization of clerical training institutes. Now he's quoting Francis. We must emphasize a humanistic training. Let us open ourselves to a universal cultural horizon that humanizes them. Seminaries cannot be ideological kitchens. Seminaries must train pastors, not ideologues. The problem of seminaries is serious. It should be remembered that the humanistic disciplines of are humane res et litere, and that the humanization of a secular and universal education has nothing to do with it. Without saying that if a seminary does not provide intellectual and doctrinal formation, hastily defined as ideological cuisine, the new priests will have nothing new to teach the world, thus making themselves useless and superfluous. Bergoglio demonstrates once again that he denounces the behavior of others as reprehensible at the very moment in which he himself adopts it. Vigano is calling him a hypocrite. <laughs> Regarding the need to privilege the relationships of the bishops with his flock, he does not realize that his words sound mocking when he states, You already see that in the new appointments of bishops, not only in Spain, but throughout the world, I apply a general criterion. Once a bishop is residential and assigned, he is already married to that diocese. If you look at another, if you hope for a transfer, it is Episcopal adultery. Whoever seeks a promotion commits Episcopal adultery. Now, Vigano responds to that con concept. Yet, bishops who are loved by their faithful, such as Monsignor Joseph Strickland in Texas, are subjected to intimidation and apostolic visits with the aim of removing them, forcing them to resign. End quote. That humanistic language about universal cultural horizons should be alarming, but at this point, it's, it's not. We're used to Francis pandering to the world and to the rulers of this world, and perhaps even to the lord of this world pandering done in word and deed. For example, with little media attention given to it, Francis gave an address while in Portugal to secular politicians. The Vatican quietly published the text of the address on the Vatican website. And if you've read it, you think it would, was given by the head of an NGO, or perhaps by a progressive politician at some party event, or maybe an industrialist. You wouldn't think it was given by the alleged pope of the Catholic Church. Nowhere in this address is the name of our blessed Lord invoked except in one place at the end as an example of one leader uh, among others. And nowhere are the morals taught by the church and the laws of God mentioned. And instead, Francis extols the virtues of the ongoing project of what we'll call 
the integration of all human beings to one social, economic, and political system. Now, this address was covered by the Catholic website New Daily Compass a few days ago, and the author of the piece does a very good job of reminding us of what Francis is about here. Selling the church out to our secular rulers, of replacing the faith with their ideas, which puts the work of burying rigid priests and going after traditionalists make much more sense. So from this little bit here comes from that article, and I think it will help us understand this. Quote, one of Francis's most important speeches at World Youth Day in Lisbon was certainly the one he delivered on Wednesday, the 2nd of August, before the civil authorities and diplomatic corps. Due to the nature of the recipients, it was a speech addressed to the world, not to those within the church. And his words on social, political, and economic issues are indicative of how he understands the church's proposal in the field of its social doctrine. We can say that the two characteristic points of the speech are the accentuated uh, ongoing integration on one hand and the silence on Jesus Christ on the other. As he always does, and on this occasion too, Francis pushed the accelerator towards a governance of every human being <laughs> that is the fruit of an unspecified fraternity and fueled by confused hope, which pretends to manage all the phenomena of today. As for Christ, Francis conducted his entire speech without ever mentioning him, until the conclusion when, speaking of the hope that must animate the planetary community at this moment, he said, quote, Hope which we Christians learned about from the Lord Jesus Christ. This means that others can learn it equally well elsewhere. Christ is one of the many teachers of hope. One might think that addressing politicians and ambassadors, one should make a secular and profane speech, and that therefore Francis did well to aim low, without mentioning faith and religion, that he did well to limit himself to nature without bringing up the supernatural. Perhaps from the listener's point of view, this is true. But from the Pope's point of view, it cannot be true. Indeed, nothing takes place on the natural plane that does not reflect the influence of the supernatural on it. Revelation and grace directly invest the natural plane, not to replace the responsibilities proper to that level, but to teach them that the ultimate goal is another. End quote. Very true. All lawful power on earth comes from heaven. The misuse of that authority to create a new Tower of Babel is the ongoing project we see by our secular rulers, who often actually invoke the Tower of Babel to mock the faith and God in their attempts to achieve this integration. They model buildings for their project off of it. They invoke the Tower of Babel at the UN. They have no shame. They turn their back on God, and it's shameful that the only invocation of Christ was an example of a teacher of hope instead of the only source of grace and salvation available to people, without whom their, meaning our rulers, proposals for further integration, will degenerate into tyranny and end in failure. But what do you think about this? Does Francis's words about rigidity and traditional Catholics make more sense in the light of his pandering to secular rulers? Is his replacing the faith with the creed and philosophy of our rulers? Is that what he's doing? Let me know what you think of, of all this in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As does sharing this on social media. That helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.